are live for the 66th episode of the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Loves Luigi. And tonight, we got the full crew here. Alex, G, Andrew, how are we doing, boys? Not too bad. What's up? Yeah, we've kind of gotten over the whole Yankees loss in the LDS. Just kidding. No, we haven't. We're still miserable. I haven't thought about anything else. Thanks um, for reminding us, Luigi. Yeah. Um, well, just had to because I wanted to set the mood. <laughs> We're just going to... Have a little quick episode, talk about some play revals and their future on the roster, maybe talk a little ALCS and NLCS. Yeah, guys, uh, have we been watching the ALCS or NLCS, or are we still kind of just too depressed to watch any sort of form of baseball? I'm not going to lie, I watched more of the NLCS than I did of the ALCS, yep, just because I was bitter at... Yeah, no, I couldn't I watch, watch any I did watch Game Astros. I did watch Game 7 of Ray's Astros just because I was rooting against the Astros, honestly. Because even, Andrew, I know you were almost rooting for the Astros because you hated the Rays more, but I think we can all agree that the Astros would have been unbearable if they came back down 3-0. <laughs> no, you guys didn't hear me. I I, I heard Andrew was rocking a Bregman jersey. Like, he was just out. He was just rooting for the Astros so hard that he bought like a Bregman and Correa jersey, so... G was, oh, rocking, G, G was rocking an Altuve jersey underneath his LeBron jersey. Yep, yep. G, a big Altuve guy. <laughs> it was such a weird situation because, yeah. on one hand, I was thinking, hmm, you know, it'd be nice if any time they mentioned down 3-0, it wouldn't be us. It'd be the Rays. Yeah. Hey, like, fuck you guys. You guys, here's the baton. But on the other side, I was like, yeah, the Astros already unbearable. They'd be even more unbearable. I kind of I was saying this a few days ago, but I'm kind of over just hating the Astros. Like I still don't like them, you know. But like I'm not just gonna actively hate them just because I'm just so disgusted with my own team. So I'm at the point where like I'm like, yeah, the Astros suck, but like whatever. Like they don't yeah. like they don't bother me anymore. I'm bo- I'm bothered enough by my own team that I don't even We're, have any energy we, to be bothered by the Astros. Like that's we, where I'm at right now. We put so much effort into being annoyed by the Yankees that it's at the point where. You can't. You don't. Have, you almost don't have enough effort to hate the Astros. Someone's along like, with someone it. said, yeah. like, "Screw the Astros." I'm like, "Screw the Astros." I'm like, "Screw the Yankees." Like, I hate the Yankees right now more than the Astros. Like, what the yeah. hell? And that's part of why I was, you know, low key pulling for for Houston in that. Not because I want the Astros to make another World Series. I don't want to give those you know, miserable fucks another reason to to celebrate. But Andrew's back. It's it's been three years ago. You know, it's been three years since they since the whole cheating scandal. I mean the one they got caught for if they were cheating in eighteen and nineteen, that's still T B D. It happened. It sucks. Manfred fumbled the bag on that. There's nothing we can do about it though. But seeing Tampa blow a three oh lead would have been hilarious. Especially after they stomped on our graves after beating us, you know, playing New York, New York, Empire State of Mind, everything, right? And then you know, I, I think it was G-Man was being all belligerent and drunk and that I got caught on IG Live and he was hitting trash cans too. But like just, you know, the most, you know, ungrateful winners, you right after they had beaten us, I'm like, yo, fuck these guys. So um, it would have been amusing to see them, you know, th- those smug assholes go in with so much confidence after beating the big bad Yankees, even though, you know, they were, they were that we talked about on the last podcast. Oh, we were David. They were Goliath in that series. They they still had that complex, like they beat Goliath, um, and yeah. then just to see them get smacked down. Going along with your point of view, it's like the Yankees, even though they're the Yankees, and the Yankees and the Rays hated each other this year. If this was a normal year, the Yankees would not have made the playoffs, and the Rays were acting like they were the underdogs in the series when they were the best team in the American League this year. 
people just acted like, oh, wow, Yankees can't believe they lost. It's like, hey, guys, we suck. Like, they yeah. were supposed to win the series. Like, we went 33-27 and 27 in a 60-game stretch. Like, we're not yeah. killing it. The NLCS was the series we kind of all cared more about, right? Because mm-hmm. it was more interesting. It was more yeah, interesting definitely. Series, it was such a good series. Definitely. Yeah. I know this is obviously going to bring back some bad memories, but watching that Game 7 last night, oh, the, no. watching the Braves, they literally looked they reminded me exactly of the 17 team. Uh, just like a young yeah. team like who's so much talent they got Acuna they got free they got so many great players but just like not ready for the moment they like, had three hits they, they, that's exactly how many of the hits the Yankees had that game seven and 17 it's so not mistaken to me like exactly like that they were the 2017 Yankees where they I just got you know, they, such they had so much backs. potential but then they ran into the best that was it. The, the play, the plate was like the spinning image, right? That, it brought dude, that, that game seven. Greg Bird that's getting canned the plate. Like, oh, uh, oh my god! I was watching that, and I'm and I'm sitting there thinking, what were they doing? Oh, that that double play in the bases that that killed that the game. That, that someone who dropped the stat about like the their win expectancy dropped yeah. like eighteen points. Yeah, just seventeen yeah. percent. Just unbelievable. Uh, and I, I was sitting, shit like that when that happened. Like you, I said right away, I'm like, you cannot do that in a game seven. No. That like just you. you that, do that is a normal unique. game. No, you for can't do that in a normal absolutely. Game, game seven, you cannot do that. But that's something that happens like on game fifteen of like a sixteen game stretch on like for no off days in like July. Like that'll happen. Games. Exactly, a team that like has maybe a few replacement players playing. It's like their seventh game of the week. Okay, like, you could see that happening. But game seven of the NLCS, oh my god! Second, what was it? What was it? Second and third, nobody out. Second and third, nobody out. Yeah. Oh my god! Like that is just. And if you watch, I just remember, I was sitting with my dad watching the game, and I was yelling to him basically about how if you watch, Austin Riley was on second, and he basically just stopped. And I'm, and I was saying you in that situation you have to be on third and just let the guy who was on third try and score and if he doesn't he gets out you still have a runner on third. Because, or if you're going to be a coward about it, just sit at second. And or you're, just you're go back out. to second. Yeah, you cannot just end up with a guy on first and two outs. You cannot get yourself out and just stand there in the base pass and just be looking like a deer in the headlights and then try and get to third when the ball is are when they're looking at you. Like, if you look, Justin Turner was diving to tag. I forget who the guy in third was. I know he was diving to tag him, and then Riley just started running. So Turner just turns around and goes, oh, cool, and throws him out. It wasn't even close. Yeah, that was that was just awful. Was, like that, talk about it. Like, at a point, you just lost the game. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, I think we could all agree that we're rooting for the Dodgers to win the World Series, right? Sorry, sorry the, the Dodgers. The Dodge, Dodge. As A Rod would say, the Dodgers. Yeah, player, the players Dodgers. from the Dodgers. The Dodgers um, players. <laughs> yeah, but th- it should be a good series. Uh, I think we got I, Kershaw versus Glass now, game one. Yeah, Kershaw Glass now, and then what could possibly snow. go wrong? Do people? You know what, man? People snow. are really sick on the internet. I'll be. Everyone wanted Kershaw in that game on my timeline last night. I'm like, you all are sick. I'm like, you all belong in, in a, a jail cell. Yeah. Uh, just everyone wanted to see playoff Kershaw happen. I'm like, no, nah, it's not gonna happen. I, like the Dodgers bullpen, what was it? Trinan, uh, Gratterall, and um, Urias uh, combined Urias, for yeah. five innings. What one hit ball? I believe like one base runner. Really good. Like, Urias is in NLD. What was it? He had five innings of relief shutout, and I believe in their NLDS clinching game. Yeah. 
Yeah, like he's he's been probably their best pitcher this yeah, postseason. Yeah. Oh, he threw three shutout yesterday. No, no, Urias. Urias. Oh damn! I was gonna say Gratterall throws a hundred and makes it look like nothing at all. It oh yeah, he's so he's a special. Gratterall is so fun to watch because you just watch him and he looks like he's just throwing uh, warm up tosses, but right. then it comes out of his hand at hundred miles an hour. Can we talk about shame. why the Red Sox on him? Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> yeah. it's a real yeah. shame. Well, it's because of uh, medical records, right? Yeah, the dude's twenty-two. Has like a hundred one two mile per hour sinker, but like whatever. But you it's know, crazy. His strikeout rate is so Tommy low. Tommy at some point in the future, Sox. in the future, like yeah. every other pitcher. guys. My favorite tweet that I saw throughout the whole NLCS playoffs it was Game Six, I think. If you think that play by Mookie Betts was incredible, just imagine the Red Sox cap flexibility or salary flexibility. Like, yeah, I mean, who needs yeah. Mookie Betts when you could have like you know. <laughs> Of just like an open bank, you know, just yeah, Red, uh, just Red Sox are dumb. But anyways, enough about the ALCS and LCS. Let's talk about the Yankees. Uh, we're gonna do some player evals because this is still a Yankees podcast, even though we all hate the Yankees. I think we could all agree that we all hate the Yankees. Who but are the Yankees? yeah, I don't know, There's some shit team. But yeah, we're gonna do some <laughs> some player evals. Actually, enjoy watching baseball. Yeah, I guess not. I, don't I guess so, but I'm not one of them. So let's let's just go through some player evals. We're going to talk about, you know, kind of analyze their season really quickly and then talk about their future with the team. Is this guy going to be a part of the team, part of this team's future? Are we going to dump it, just going to release this guy? Are we going to trade him, get something for him? Who knows? Let's start off with a good one. Gary Sanchez. He was pretty brutal this year and last year and the year before, kind of. Or last year, uh, I'll give him credit. He had 35, I think 35. He started out last really year. good last year and then sucked. Yeah, but like for, for the most part, he was just below Gary standard, below standard yeah. of what we need him to be. So, well, his guys. His annual calf injury didn't happen this year. <laughs> and his groin injury. Don't forget that. Yeah. Oh, my God. He's got his so guys, two Gary, annual injuries. So, guys, Gary Sanchez. Future with the team. This this one, like we're most of these are going to be short, but this one we could go a little longer with because this one is this kind is of a big one. Yeah, this is a big one. What, what are we thinking with Gary next year? Uh, I don't. I, I believe I, it was what was it Cashman who said that he's there's going to be a co- open competition no. for catcher next year. So I'm going to go. What was it? And say that I do not think there's going to be any change at all. I think he's going to be starting a catcher and open. Or he might not be starting catcher opening day because Higashioka will be catching Cole. But I think he's gonna, he's going to be going in as the starting catcher. I think. Yep, I I agree. Yeah. I I think they're they're too invested in him and they've seen the potential and they're too blindly de- devoted to what his ceiling can yeah. be. And I mean, if they get into a full season next year, you know, provided we're we're out of you know the whole 2020 mess, um, you know, 30 to 50 to maybe even 90 games into a 160 game season. If it's just not working, they can just say, you know what, you're relegated to the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't really have that flexibility this year in a short year, but I not see them um, unless they get blown away with a trade offer. I don't see them making any change going into next year. And I think it's important <clears throat> to realize that this year, no matter how, you know, how anyone puts it, it was not a normal year. And people did not, you know, warm up for the season the way they normally do. So I think, like you said, Andrew, it's important for the Yankees to, at least in my opinion, I think they should start with him and let him sink or swim from there. And if he's mm-hmm. doing the same exact thing by June or July, you know, hitting 140, 
with a 250 on base percentage, then they yeah, cut then you him. don't have to commit to him the rest of the year. But I don't think they can give up on him after this season because of the fact that he still could be a catcher that hits 30 home runs in a season. And he's I mean, he hit, he's, he hit 10 this year. <laughs> exactly. He still has the power. And, you know, if he can actually <clears throat> manage to catch up to a 94-mile-an-hour fastball in the middle of the plate, then that could have turned into 15 or 20 home runs. But I think he just has so much potential, and his defense has been way better. In 2019, it was better. This year, it wasn't as good, but it wasn't off the charts terrible. It wasn't 2018 bad. It wasn't 2018 bad, yeah. So, so I, here's I the thing. think they just need to... And his pitch framing got worse. He's like He wasn't making errors, but his pitch framing did take a step yeah. back. Again. And I think that's one of the reasons that he uh, did so badly with Cole. He also had that new stance, the the Tanner Swanson one knee setup yeah. thing. Like, I wonder if he just needs a full spring training to adjust to that. Well, he might give him too much credit. I don't know. Also, been you like a Vladdy Guerrero, where he wanted to spring training all ready to go, and then quarantine happened, and he did nothing for three months. Mm-hmm. So the, you know, it could. It's a lot of different factors that we don't know about. Sorry, we talked about like how many good hitters across baseball this past year. Um, Christian Yelich hit like 200 you know Mm -hmm. it's not just Sanchez that really did terribly this year and everyone else was fine Cody Bellinger was was a disaster this year Bellinger hit like 230 and only had like 10 or 11 home runs yeah this was absolutely a weird year and a lot you saw a lot of really good hitters just not get it going and it just it's such a mental thing right if in the normal season you have a bad 20 game stretch you say I have 130 plus games to get it right yeah, but in this season, it's like, oh man, it's halfway over. Guys start pressing. It's just a, it's a huge mental aspect. So, well, actually, yeah, I do think they're going to give Gary the pass. Well, it was a weird COVID year. We're going to give him like this is a full season, normal season. Let's see if he could show out. That's and, probably and the big thing attitude. that people are going to talk about is, oh, let's just throw the book at a guy like JT Romilto if he's a free agent. But can you give him that much money? Then there's like no chance you're bringing back DJ LeMahieu. So you really got to pick your battles here. Yeah. Yeah, look, real Muto's say, solid, but I'm not paying. Well, I don't want the Yankees to pay two hundred plus million, million for a solid yeah. catcher oh. who's already thirty. Like, it's like, come on. Cashman and Hal Steinbrenner, from what it seemed to me anyway, the, both of their public statements about Gary Sanchez were kind of like at odds with each other. Like yeah. Hal Steinbrenner had said something to the effect of like, "Oh, we expect to just get him back, and he'll be like, you know, the Gary Sanchez that we expect him to be." And you know, yeah, like, but he's the owner. He's got to say that he's not making the personal moves. And Cashman, I think, kind of played the right card of not giving a specific statement because Cashman's always the type of person that if the if he gets a offer, like you said, Andrew, they get blown away by a trade offer, he's not going to just ignore it. So he doesn't want to put himself in a bad position where he says, yes, Sanchez is our catcher next year, and then have the Yankees trade him over the winter. Because then that'll raise some eyebrows, and with the Yankees being the Yankees everyone will be at their There's just I, I just don't see any way of them trading Gary because we're going to talk about some trade scenarios for some guys in the roster, but those guys on the roster actually have trade value. Gary yeah, doesn't Gary have has... any. If we want, if tr- Gary had trade value in 2018 and even 2019. But I would say he definitely year, had trade value after last year. Yeah, I'm saying like he, he did because even though it was just not a great year, he still had the home runs and it was like, all right, this – it's like just think your last year was one year closer to that his just torrid rookie his first two seasons right mm-hmm. like the closer you were to that the more it's like oh well maybe he could get to that where now you're, it, that seems so far away it's it's like not even 
this friggin' lifetime anymore. So yeah, Gary's it's gonna be interesting, but I I, I think we all expect him to be back mm. next year. And hey, it's gonna be a make talk. It's gonna be a make or break year for a lot of guys in this roster. But I think Gary's number I one. Think, on that yeah, list. I think he's number one because he right now is probably at the bottom of the list in terms of trade value. So the Yankees yeah. are almost, you know, unless someone like the Mets is like, hey, you want, you guys want Pete Alonso? <laughs> um, yeah, he's going to be, this is going to be his last chance, I think. Gary Sanchez for Mr. Met straight up. Um, let's, let's talk it. about, let's talk about Higgy. Uh, Higgy had a nice year, right? Showed some offensive prowess. I mean, it, like I said on the last pod, Higgy was starting over Gary Sanchez in the ALDS, mm-hmm. right? Sanchez like started one game in the yeah, ALDS. Yeah, you know, Higgy, Gary started one game, Higgy started four, but we, we never thought that happened. And yeah. Higgy's made some great strides, and obviously he's still got a couple years of control left. So, yeah, that Higgy, just a, Higgy at this point is like, wow, he's, this dude's a really good backup catcher, yeah. right? And he could even be like an okay start because let's not forget, I mean, Higgy was an absolute wall behind the plate. Mm. I mean, he made, I forget which game it was because everything's just a blur now. But there was a game where he made like at least six or seven stops. I think it was game play. four because we had our backs. Yeah. yeah. And like, it was like there, most of the stops, you're just saying to yourself, Gary probably didn't stop that. Uh, well, <laughs> also can't like forget that he had a home run off of Snell in game. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. His <laughs> offense, I mean, he, he, had, he had a three home run game this year. Like, yeah. You know, the guy fucking really showed some offensive promise, which he really had in the past. So, yeah. It's Higgy, funny because he went into the year, like we... Yankees were like, oh, I guess we're committed to him as our backup because, you know, Romine's gone and Higgy doesn't he have was, options, so I guess we'll carry almost, him. He, they came, he came into a year with him almost as like, well, I guess he's the backup catcher now by default. Because they didn't want to, they didn't want to release him because exactly. they, couldn't, they couldn't option him in the minor leagues. He's yeah. out of options, so like they had to just say, let's give it a shot because we're not going to give up on him for nothing. Exactly. And he played his way into, um, you know, long-term stability on this team. Yeah, and I, I mean, at one point, he's... Eric Kratz was the backup catcher. I remember yeah. that. it was like that Kratz week, him and Devi, like the father and son. Yeah. Kratz was just like the talk of the town. So, and yeah, Kratz man, good, just good hit Higgy. line drives into left field every at bat. Yep. Yep. No, Kratz I think with Higgy, I think if he, he especially will be Cole's personal catcher last year because that worked this year. I don't see any reason they wouldn't do that. And if Sanchez is struggling they'll start him more it'll be like the alds they'll the more sanchez struggles the more playing time higashioka will get but i think he'll get at least one or two starts a week yeah it's really bad then yeah one or two starts a week but otherwise i'd say it seems kind of like a lot especially because there's not gonna be any date dh spot for gary otherwise he's gonna be be starting about once or twice a week Mm mm-hmm with a five, yeah. with a five player rotation in seven days, Cole will be starting once or twice a week. Right. And so I, then he's gonna cover double headers or you know, the, the few days where they have like ten yeah. games in ten days, he'll get an extra start in there. Exactly. And you know like the, the Boone regime and the way they love to sit guys, they especially love to sit the catcher, right? Which is yeah. the one position where who should be sitting like a decent amount, right? Because it's just mm-hmm. a grueling position. So can't fault Booney there. But all right, let's uh let's move to the infield. Let's start with I'm laughing so hard. I shouldn't be laughing this hard. Let's start with the Yankee analytics Babe Ruth, Mike Ford. Uh, oh, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I, I just have this this image inside my head of the Yankees analytics department, small room, and there's just like a bunch of Mike Ford posters everywhere. And <laughs> it's like, like, God, they like sent oh, this guy's so fucking good. And they say they sent the scout to like a, 
they found him in like some softball league somewhere. Like, am I crazy? You're probably crazy, but yeah, I you're probably it. crazy. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. But anyways, um, yeah, Mike Ford. Uh, just, I, I wish I liked the dude. He's a good dude. He's hit some big homers he, in the past, but I, I mean, I, I just don't see dump him. Yeah, I think he's the he's the first person we've talked about that I think he shouldn't be on the team next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I think that, behind that. Yep, that, 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 that I, I don't. I think he will, but I don't want him to be. I look. Yeah. We were. He was so bad this year. We talked about every time a a fringe level first baseman who is also a left handed hitter was was made available that the Yankees yeah. should go after him. Like Justin Smoke, I'm pretty sure got DFA. Yeah. Um, who else? Get him, get him. Get him. Get uh, him. And there was Vogelback one other too. person. Like, get Vogelback. Yeah. Vogelback. Like, these are guys that aren't good They're players. They're not good, and, but, but they, they were... represent an upgrade over Ford. Yeah. Hey, Vogelback was an All Star last year. By default, yeah, he hit like 130 this year. Although he was much better with Milwaukee. Vogelback was an All Star last year because the Mariners had no one else. Yep. Remember, that's uh, like when Jay Happ was an All Star for the Blue Jays. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go, Jay Happ. Let me talk about how Mike Ford in 84 plate appearances this this year had almost a negative one WAR. You know, Alex, we honestly can't because we're moving on. We're not spending uh, this much time uh, on Mike uh, Ford. Uh, yeah. I, I I'm okay. about to, I'm I think about to puke. If, if the Yankees can't get a, a better backup first baseman or potentially starting first baseman, depending on what happens with Voight, like they're, they're in some serious trouble. Yeah. Like you, you need a better bat off the bench than play him. other positions because Voight or Voight. Voight. Uh, Ford. <laughs> Ford is a first baseman or DH. So he's basically a handicap because of his defensive limit, limit, mm-hmm. uh, limits. All right, Alex. So let's take. Take a break there, but uh, go get okay. a glass deep, deep breaths here. Deep breaths. Deep breaths. Uh, all right, let's talk about the first guy at first base who led the league in home runs this year, Luke Voigt. Didn't have the best postseason. Uh, was obviously dealing with quote unquote foot stuff. But yeah, guys, what are we thinking about Voigt? Um, there's look. Let's kind of. I'm gonna preface this with this. There's been some some Yankee fans, not a lot. I'll just say some who've been talking about trading, possibly trading Voigt. What Start do we think of that? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I think I think a lot of that is 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 process of elimination, right? I mean, right. There's there's really no good third base upgrade over what Gio represents. If you're going to re-sign DJ, he represents the best um, you can get at that position. Glaber, you're committed to as your young, you know, keystone shortstop. Um, so if you don't want to have an all right-handed hitting infield, that leaves one position left, right? Uh, I'm we're never going to know what like fully healthy Luke Boyd could have done in the postseason. Um, certainly he didn't play at all last year because he was hurt. No, we don't know he was he's trying trying to do. Yeah, and this year he was just swinging for the fences every single time and he played like garbage. But he still did lead the, the team in home runs and RBIs and obviously led the entire league in home runs as well. I mean, that, that's a really hard piece to replace. So, I mean, can you add depth and, and more balance the lineup by trading him? Maybe, but the, if you're going to move him, you've got to represent some kind of upgrade. you got to have to have to find at least something league average to replace him at first base. It's certainly not going to be Mike Ford. And then you need to upgrade somewhere else dramatically. So whether it be the bullpen or the starting rotation or, you know, left field or backup outfield or something, there has to be a, a lot of upgrade elsewhere to account for the fact that you're giving up Ford. If you're just moving, uh, excuse me, Voight, if you're just moving him just so you, you get one right-handed hitting, uh, one right-handed hitter out of the lineup, then that's not the move to make. Yeah, I man. Thank you for attending my TED talk. <laughs> it's just so tough for me to 
to like just come to the idea of trading Voight because he was just such a good find. Yeah. How are you going to give up a guy He's that you found out of like nowhere? If you're a Yankees fan, you can't hate him. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know any unless you're Andrew and it's 2019 <laughs> and you call him a right hand a uh, right handed Adam Dunn. Um, oh man, it, you don't you can't hate Voight because he's just the, he's so fun to watch because he's so energetic all the time and just you know he's happy he shows emotion which the Yankees are not exactly good at showing emotion sometimes and he's good. The dude can hit bombs. So he's – and like you said, Luigi, they got him for Chase and Shreve and Gio Gallegos. Yeah, Ooh, Gallegos, Gallegos has been solid. Gallegos has know. been good. Shreve yeah. is where? The Mets still? I don't know. Shreve's but, actually had like a low ERA when he faced us. So watch how you talk about the god Chase and Shreve. <laughs> I apologize. Forgive me. But, oh, yeah, Voight is just – you know, he's – you want him on your – he's the type of guy you want on your team. And like you said, Andrew, getting rid of him just because he's right-handed is the wrong move to make unless you can make an upgrade in that process. I mean, I'd be okay with the trade, but I'm not like saying they should go out and force it just for the sake of it. Like, but um, if I mean, if only if the opportunity presents itself, I trust Brian Cashman to be able to find a scenario where they could make an upgrade. But at the same time, like. He's really awesome, and you don't just go giving away really awesome players for nothing. Like he's got a lot of trade value, but like he's just a good player. So if he was the I first baseman again next year, I don't care. To an upgrade you can get by trading him is by getting a left-handed hitting middle infielder, right? Yeah. So either you're going to move Glaber off hey, of you guys short know back who's a free to second agent? base. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to move Glaber off of short, put him back at second, and then slide DJ over to first. Say his um, name, or Alex. you're just, or you're just gonna, and put, then sign Didi Gregorius. Yeah, or or you're just gonna <laughs> move D, uh, DJ to first and get a second baseman, right? Again, if you want a left-handed hitter, you have to find a left-handed hitting middle infielder. But I mean, it has to be someone good, right? Not like a Joe Panic type guy, or yeah, you I mean, don't want you're not gonna get, you're not gonna trade for a guy like Francisco Lindor, who actually showed a lot. I mean, I know we talked about the weird year, but did not play all that well this year either. Didn't so really, at all. Yeah. I, so I, I want to say he had only like eight home runs this year. Yes, I mean, what do you do, right? I mean, wh- yeah. what what's the scenario? Who are you trading Void for? Because um, you're not going to just trade him for another first base, and no team's going to yeah. do a, a swap like that. You're going to ideally get like a high end uh, middle reliever, or potentially like a four or five starter, um, or and then who are you going to replace in the infield, right? And wh- and how are you going to reconfigure it? So they would probably just move DJ so- to first, right? Like that's probably just, yeah, yeah probably I think so. And I don't think play. he wants to play first. He he no, he played no. it last year and. I don't think they should put DJ at first. The guy's a gold glove defender at second, and he's shown mm-hmm. that he still can be a gold glove defender at second. But well, then you're stuck with Glaber short, you know? Like, it, it, it's, yeah, that's true. it's just a trickle-down effect with everything. And this is the problem with the way the roster is currently constructed and, and why Brian Cashman said what he did about trades. Like, you can't just make moves to make moves. You have to represent upgrades. And the way everything is set up, like, you can't just do one move in a vacuum and just force feed the rest of the roster to come together. Like if you're going to keep DJ, if you're going to resign him and put him at second base, then you have to upgrade your defense either at first or short. And you're not going to just assume that Glaber and Luke Voigt are going to get way better defensively and keep the, the, the four of them. I mean, maybe that's yeah. where they end up going just because it doesn't represent a huge shift. But I mean, what do you do? Like, there's yeah, so many answers. There's, there's no right answer. Do. 
I think also Glaber though, I feel like he could be get better defensively because we forget he's still only twenty three. He's only been this was his third year in the league, so he still has a chance to get better defensively. Voy, on the other hand, is you know, in his late twenties now, he's yeah, much bigger than Glaber is. He's much less um agile. I think what you see with him is what you're gonna get. But not so having the best defensive first baseman like isn't the worst thing in the world. It's not know, the worst thing in the world. One, and if there's one position you could pick to not have a great defense defender at, it'd probably be first base. Yeah. So. And I short so you have bad defensive shortstop, you're you're screwed. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say it, but like from you know, the last since twenty sixteen, we were spoiled for not for eight years because Mark Desher was so good defensively at first. And since then the Yankees have not had really a good defensive first baseman. Nope. Yeah. Unless you count the god Chris Carter. Oh, got me started. I think I think the best first baseman we've had defensively since Teixeira retired was probably that quarter of a season we put Todd Frazier at first base. Remember we moved him across them? Like I mean, Headley was pretty there too, right? I thought you were gonna drop Garrett Cooper. Headley was pretty solid over there. Yeah, they moved they moved Headley from third to first, and he was good there, but yeah. Right, because that's because he had he got the yips at, at third. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then that's when they got Frazier. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What a shame. Well, let's what talk about shame. the best hitter on this team the last two years, DJ LeMahieu. And oh, look, I'm looking at his contract. I don't see anything for 2021. This must be a mistake. Oh yeah, the Yankees should definitely fill this in somehow. Right? Like, I, there's really like with DJ, there's really not much to talk about. Like, we could talk about if the Yankees are going to resign him because I f- I forget who put out the report. That the Yankees might try to like give him a qualifying offer and then lowball him, which would just be just unforgivable in my that eyes. That would also be so on brand, though. I, I know, but yeah, I really don't. I don't even think we need to spend a lot of time on this. I just resign DJ. Mm-hmm. Just give him what he wants. Like he's. We talked about last episode. There needs to be balance in a lineup. Like this, in my opinion, him and Hicks are the only two guys who consistently work counts and work at bats in this entire lineup. So yeah, you should definitely keep DJ because he actually gets hit, you know, like hits consistently on like Hicks. He just gets a lot of walks. Oh god, don't say that. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. You guys have anything to add other than resign DJ? Like I think we all feel the same way about this. Yeah. I don't Nothing really. Just gotta if there's him. anyone out there that's good that honestly thinks the Yankees don't need to resign DJ, they should probably yeah. throw. I haven't seen a lot of that. baseball fan. Guys, yeah. what's a lot of Yankee King up to these days? Well, his his big thing last year was I mean I don't want to give that guy a platform on our podcast, but his big thing was I want to trade DJ because I'm sure definitively we're not going to re-sign him to at least get some form, even though it would have literally taken a huge bite out of a team that was a couple outs away from making the ALCS this year. Like you know, just we're not gonna we're not gonna go down that road. Yeah, no. So moving on, so yeah, re-sign DJ, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, Glaber. But we, th- we obviously they're not trading or dumping or doing anything with Glaber. Glaber's on this team for the foreseeable future. I, well, wanna, I, I, I would, would I would say Glaber's a guy who might get some trade bites. I think again, he will. Really? I could same. I just could not see the Yankees trading Glaber. I don't no, think I don't, they, I don't think they will unless they get absolutely blown away by something. Yeah. It's just gotta. He's just gotta get better in, at that short. That's all. I think with I think Glaber this year. His <clears throat> offensive struggles, you can um, tack up to injuries. That's what I. That's what I would like to blame them on. 
because you know he was awful at the beginning of the year and then he went on the IL and he was better once he came back. Uh, he had that then, one stretch where he was like white hot. Remember glasses, yeah. Glaber? And Glaber, then, I feel like. And then he was good in the playoffs. That's one thing we didn't really. Um, that he Glaber's had a three fifty career playoff hitter. Yeah, wow, he, I looked he, that up he, the other day. I was shocked by that. He was really good in the playoffs, especially in the Indian series. Yeah, I was. I don't remember him doing as much against Tampa, but I know he had like a five for five game in Game One against Cleveland. Yeah. Right? He was really, really good in the playoffs this year. So, I think Glaber's the type of guy that if you get if he gets going, he can. Be he can put up like a 280, 290 average with a uh, like 25 home runs, yeah, 850, 900 OPS, which from a shortstop that's fantastic, yeah. So, I mean, you just got to get a true infield instructor and work out the kinks for him defensively because he has pretty good range, he just can't fit a lot of balls. You see, like I remember with Didi, he would get to balls that were probably a little out of his range and you would see him dive and just the ball just get past them. You're like, Oh, why can't this guy finish off? But maybe those weren't balls that any other shortstop or most other shortstops would have yeah. gotten near anyway. But uh, Glaber, I mean, his range is pretty good. He his makes a lot of really bad throws. He's, yeah, exactly. His throwing needs to be better. I feel like That's he just would have done. I would have been interested to see how he would have done with just like a full like a normal series or a normal season with just like a full spring training and then, you know, more of a complete season, you know, especially like with the in position camp, change, they didn't especially. Like summer camp was just about, you know, getting summer them camp, ready. They were major league like, pitching in, in summer camp. They were basically just hanging out. I feel like <laughs> and taking some, some BP, yeah. some live BP. Yeah. They were just trying to get back into it because they're like, Oh, okay. Well, the season's starting probably should get back into season form. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, I think Boone definitely rallied the troops. What are you guys talking about? <laughs> he just has to work on those routine plays. Like the whole yeah, labor adventure yeah. of throwing to first base needs to be over with after exactly. one season. Like his offense, I honestly am not worried about at all. If he's hitting 190 with two home runs by June next year, then it's a problem. Yeah. But right now, I am Glaber Drew. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> Uh, all right, moving on on that note. Remember, yeah, we'll remember when we were all when we were all like super excited because Stephen Drew's average got over two hundred and end of September. Hey, oh, Florida State was, legend Stephen Drew. Those were the dark times. Yeah, yeah. Yes. All right, uh, moving on to Gio Urshela, another guy who's been mentioned in trade talks. But what better third baseman at this point are you going to get than Gio, who's no. like attainable, like pretty You're much not. No, unless You're you want to. He's, like, he's, he's a line drive hitter. He makes all the plays. Um, I, I don't think there's really much of uh, a discussion with, with Gio. I, I think they're more likely to move a guy like Voight, and I would even say they're more likely to move Glaber Torres than they are Gio. Um, Gio's the third baseman next mm-hmm. year, and yeah, that should be it. it yeah, it's almost like around. it's almost like the same thing I said for Voight. Like Gio was such a good find. Like how are you going to yeah. trade that guy? Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to for me. I mean, and the, thing, the thing that I always generally see with Gio that always gets me with him is that he's almost like a DJ where he can hit to any field and he is one of the only other guys in the Yankees that can situationally hit. Mm-hmm. Like you see like in the ninth inning of game two of the uh, wild card series against hand, he kind of threw the bat out and just got a single to center field where the only other player on the Yankees that could have done that and not just like weakly grounded out on that pitch is DJ. I think that was like the most underrated at bat the entire postseason. Yeah, the that entire ninth inning was 
I would chalk that up as probably the best Yankees inning of the year because oh, yeah, they those played two games that awesome. perfectly. Those two but, games convinced us they were going to do shit, and they didn't. <laughs> yeah, so. And game they one did. of the, the shit that they did yeah, was disappoint too. us. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, well, guys, last <laughs> infielder, the one, the only. Oh, oh, yeah, we got Tyro. We have two, we have Tyro Estrada and Miguel Andujar, but I mean, it would be kind of. give Tyro Estrada like a incomplete or like a. Yeah, there's really not. I mean, Andujar. He's, he's, he's benched up. But... It doesn't matter what they do with him. If they yeah, trade I mean, him or they cut him, they can find someone replaceable. Say, if they say keep the him, other name, say the other name, and then we can talk about Tyro it's, Estrada. It's, yeah, it's like Andujar and Estrada. It's kind of crazy how. Two years ago, especially Andujar, obviously, both those guys were like well thought of in the Yankees organization, and now it's kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever. Andujar, I feel and like they're both still they, young; they're twenty-five. Andujar, you need to have a higher, yeah, opinion of because he was actually very good once he came back. He was. He he remembered how to hit at one point. But I just he and, just, and then he was a he was a, a roster casualty when when Judge and Stanton both came yeah. back healthy, and they just they you're not gonna not put those guys on the roster. So sorry. exactly. Right. And if that's the case, then maybe we talk about he's a guy who you should look at trading because they have a full infield. He's just another right-handed hitter. He has obviously a lot of upside offensively, but he's a defensive liability. So if there's anyone they're going to yeah. move, it's not going to be Gio. It's not going to be Glaber. Exactly. It's probably going to be Andrew Carr. And that's yeah. one thing that I've been really thinking a lot, thinking of a lot because he's someone that has almost like the offensive capabilities that Gio does. Because if you look at um, – Andujar's 2018 season and Gio's 2019 season, they're kind of similar. Um, but Andujar is a quarter of the fielder that Gio is on a good day. I think Andujar is a perfect <laughs> National League DH guy. Yeah, I was about, Andrew, I was about to say, Andujar's trade value probably goes up with the Universal DH, right? Yeah. Now, and all these NL teams are like, oh, we, we could have this bat we'll in take our him. lineup yeah. or on our bench. Hell yeah. And if we if we need to, to like throw field. someone in left field in the 12th inning, whatever. Andujar's the perfect type of guy I can see on the Padres, honestly. Yeah. Even on like the Rockies, you know, just like yeah. coming off their bench and some dingers. And then he'd go to the Rockies, hit 300 with 35 home yeah. runs, and everyone would be like, why'd you trade him? Replaces Arenado. I think Andujar is a guy that the Yankees should capitalize on and, you know, get something for him. I don't think they're going to get, you know, they're not going to get a lot for him, but they need to, first off, give the guy a chance somewhere because it's not going to be with the Yankees. Yeah. Because it's not 28. 18 anymore. He's not going to be the starting third baseman because of Geo. So Unless there's to... like moves that happen that we are not anticipating. Yeah, but I can't fathom Cashman thinking that he's going to trade Geo and replace him with, with the man who replaced him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, hell no. I'm so 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 curious about Andujar. Like, if he could replicate that 2018 season in any way. Good. Curious just to see in general, not even like, oh, I would love for him to just be Yankee so that we can hope that he does that again. That's like like a Greg Bird type of hope. But like didn't he have like twenty errors that year? Even though he hit three hundred? Oh, he was terrible at the defense. I think calling Always. him I think comparing him to Greg Bird is very unfair because Bird had one good half of a season where Andujar had an entire season where he almost won rookie of the year. I think he was just saying that, you know, they both had labrum tear injuries, and that really oh. zaps your power, and, like, Bird never recovered. Yeah. yeah. Way to go, Alex. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, really nothing to say. Not much to say about Estrada. Um, you know, is that I would be at this point pretty okay with Estrada if you were able, were to get rid of. I don't remember if you mentioned him yet, Tyler Wade, and then let Estrada take a whack at being like the bench player. Yeah, I think we're all kind of done with Tyler Wade, right? Uh, no one wants the Tyler Wade The only thing back. going he'll for him is that back, he's a lefty no one... and Tyro's a righty, yeah. but like... I, just... I mean, yeah. The only like, people yeah, he's that a lefty still that want doesn't... Tyler Wade on the Yankees Tyler are Wade. people who enjoy the fact that... College-age females who think he's attractive. Exactly. <laughs> Alex, we have to drop that stat, though, the stat that you mentioned in the... Oh, pre- yeah, yeah, yeah. I mentioned before the game that one of the <clears> most <throat> mind-blowing stats about Tyler Wade is... He has 92 career strikeouts and 92 career total bases. Yeah, that's and enough. That's, enough that's that. very All bad. Right, now the experiment on. has run its course. Right, yeah. Uh, before we get, to, so basically, we're, gonna... we're gutting our depth because they're all um, replacing yeah. other players. I mean, uh, yeah. How I mean, depth, just resign like is old veterans, man. Like, like, it's nice to have some like old veterans on the roster. We talked right? about guys, guys like, like Andrew and Simmons, Howie Kendrick, like all these guys. I mean, they're yeah. probably gonna cost a little more money, but I mean, there's so much improvements. That in if they're gonna do like a Simmons or Kendrick though, you need a lefty. A lefty, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. fine. I mean, you I get Simmons, then you're getting a guy who was once like the best fielding shortstop, is still probably really good, and was a yeah. far more accomplished hitter than anyone like Tyler Wade would you ever know have could, been. Like. You know, a good like under the radar pickup could be is Eric Thames. He was awful this year, but he could do <laughs> for for backup first baseman. Yeah. Oh. I mean, lefty. Be cool with it. Wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, I wouldn't hate that. I think we have one Thames too many on the Yankees as of now, so I don't know about that. We might not anymore. Well, he That's did interview point. for the Tigers uh, manager. So let's hope the Tigers yeah, well, are well. foolish enough to hire him. That's a perfect what? match. Um, so, <laughs> oh, no, I said hope the Tigers are foolish enough to hire him. Yeah. We could scream at another hitting coach next year. Yeah, really. I mean, Stanton. We'll get, so before we'll finish off with the outfield, but before we get to that, we'll just mention Stanton. Obviously, great postseason. He's locked up for a long time, so just and he's not exercising his option. So he's yeah. on the Yankees for yeah what, seven, seven more years. More years? Seven, yeah. <laughs> like him and Cole are both just like yeah, they're they're on the team. All right, they're here for a while. <laughs> they're here. Like, I hope they like each other. Yeah, complain about him all you want because exactly. the best case scenario yeah, at this point to, is like Ellsbury type of scenario where they just banish him and then cut him, which is not going to happen because he's making no. more money than Ellsbury because he's actually good. But. Yeah, no, Stanton, though, I think was a really – his postseason this year was a fantastic sign. But is that going to tease us for next year for saying, you know, what we do every spring training? Like, oh, this guy's going to be comeback player of the year. He's going to be the MVP candidate. And he's been, really oh, – I mean, I think – And then he's going to, like, slide in the second and the eighth game of the year and be out for, like, four months. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think they had mentioned it, you know, when he came back, like, that he had taken some – or change some stuff in his approach or his pre and like his pregame stuff to try and um, cut down on injuries like that. So I feel well, like it's said, at least in his head that he has to do something to stem the tide of these injuries. Like he has to change his approach a little bit. He said that um, from now on, he's basically going to be a DH, which, which I fine. don't, I mean, which is, was I don't last time. love that. I don't love yeah, I'm that. Cool, idea. I'm cool with it. But Alex, you say he's going to be a DH, but if he's needed, you know, for a few innings yeah, and left yeah, the other right field. Yeah, I don't it's love like the they idea say that now and then they forget that we all get stick not... one person at DH. Like yeah, my... we just forget the Yankees get hurt. Like 
every year, every player. So he'll probably end up on the mound at some point. Who knows? Yeah, I'm gonna say the issue wasn't and that he was like Tommy John. It wasn't that he was, you know, he needed to be a DH or anything like that. It's it hurt his what was it? Whatever his last year, he pulled a muscle like running to third base, like on a non too strenuous play. So like it's stuff like that that you just have to find a way to get rid of. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, but it's he he like, hurt his knee sliding and banging on it, and then he pulled his hamstring uh, in the ALCS after hitting a home run in game one. But the the knee injury last year is because he. I think he strained his PCL. He he dove headfirst into third base and slammed with yeah, his that was, whole was body against, on, on his knee. It was against the uh, it was against the Jays last year. Mm-hmm. I remember that. All right, so let's great. finish off with the outfield. Uh, there's really only like yeah, two or three outfield, guys in the outfield. There's stuff. like not really not a lot to talk about. Uh, let's talk about Guardi. Let's start off with Guardi. Uh, do we think Guardi's back next year? Do we think I he retired? So I don't, I don't so. think they'll exercise like his option because he's it's for a lot. Like twelve yeah. million, man. Yeah. yeah, but I do think that they won't do that. They'll give him a buyout and then they'll re-sign him for like six million. I want to basically that. what they've done the last few years. Yeah, yes. exactly. Because I think precisely he at the end he started off terrible and then he became typical gardener. In the last half of the year, and but do we think another year on his body, he's going to be able to maintain that, or is there going to be a tipping point where he's I just never going to get it again? Be a ri- I don't really think there's going to be any risk, even if that happens. A one-year deal like, for like six million for him to be a backup outfielder, in which he ends. But up he's got to be the outfielder because they, every year they they sign him to you know six seven million dollars, and then plus the three or four from the, even the buyouts, so we still get double digits. But it, yeah. every year they're bringing him back, um, expecting him to be you know late inning defensive replacement he's going to start like 40 or 50 games and he ends up playing 85 percent of the well, season it's because not he's be, that's not his fault it's because of the i injury. know but 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 if, if you're gonna bring him back and you know that's where it's going to end up then maybe you can't risk having him in the lineup that much to my point unless you make I, sure I, you bring I, him I, back I, and you I, sign I, someone I, else for depth you know what i mean you have to bring in someone else above him in the on the depth chart as well like I, either make sure clint's on the roster the entire year or if you're going to move on from him then you have to sign another free agent yeah. who, no matter what who gets hurt Gardner's still the fourth outfielder. When those reports came out that he wanted to still play initially, okay with it. And then I watched the playoffs and I was, I was like, all right, I kind of don't want that to happen because kind of what Andrew said, like they just keep using him a lot more than their initial plan or whatever. I'm like, and it's not like Clint was like really bad. Maybe if you're playing matchups, whatever, that's fine. But like Clint was like as good as you probably could have asked him to be this year. And he still, and he hit a home run in the playoffs in that series and still wound up like not playing. It's well, just... he did start, he did end the season in a very bad slump. Yeah. I mean, now, I think I know, it's just... they were playing guard. And they only started him like... against Snell. Yeah. I mean, no, I don't know. Like... I'm just like annoyed by that. It's kind of like Gardner is just like the safe place that you keep running back to. It's like at some point you have to let Clint Fraser play, right? I mean, he's not like he was. You know, he was bad for those last couple of weeks, and I, I just feel like at some point you got to let him play. But look, right. I think this leads into where we're going to finish up this outfield conversation, right? Like, I kicks his five more years on his contract. He's not going anywhere. Obviously, Aaron Judge isn't going any, anywhere. But you're going to talk about Clint Frazier. What did we spend the entire time talking about the infield with? Too many right-handed hitters, right? Yeah. Like, is Clint going to be a solution? And you have one other outfielder, Mike Talkman, who was basically the worst offensive player in baseball this year. It's like, I, I, I think we're all in agreement that he's – if we have a chance to move on from him, we, we'd like to, right? So, like, I, what do you, what uh, do you I, do? I turned out to be right about Mike Talkman. Thank you very much. <laughs> I saw a thing on MLB uh, trade rumors. They were talking about um, how the Yankees would, like, 
want to trade some of their extra like depth, and they literally proposed the trade of the Yankees sending Talkman to the Rays for Nick Anderson. There's no way Deal. Tampa would do that. I would do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> yes, Nick Anderson's a believe. best reliever in baseball. Hey, sound, sounds good. <laughs> sign the sign. Send him over. Send him in ten million dollars over for that. Yeah. What was that like an LI Yankee King trade that we already met? Please send the jet, send the private jet. Just throw in Jock Peterson in Talkman, there. We're all good. Talkman Joe. Joe. <laughs> so good last year. He's the type of guy that last year you thought he would just be such a good overall player. Like he wouldn't do anything fantastic, but he'd just be good in every aspect of a thing. That look, he does. we saw we saw the things that Cashman did, right? Like he went out and he got Luke Voigt, and he turned into this force in the lineup. He went out and got Geo to be, you know, depth at third base. Ended up being a fantastic player, and Talkman played the same role last year as well. Like his his WAR was comparable with Bryce Harper's last year. Yeah, exactly. Yep. I thought it was more. It was was more. Yeah, it was. Yeah. The, the higher sixth, war than Bryce Harper. highest war on the Yankees, and he played half the year. No, I remember when the Yes showed a graphic. I think it was in, like, late July, and it was top 10 in the AL batting average, and he was seven. And, like, all yeah. the names on there were so good. Mike Toxin. That seems about right. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, uh, obviously the other guys in the outfield, uh, Hicks and Judge, both of them not going anywhere. They both need to stay healthy, though, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's he was healthy this year coming off Hicks Tommy John. Was healthy. He was just well, terrible. well, that, that that's why I, I kind of meant stay healthy with Hicks because. But I'll tell you what, if, if you're if you're looking at position players coming back from Tommy John surgery, Glaber was was really good in his what ended up being his rookie year, which I think was his first full season back from it. Right, um, Didi Gregorius was not yeah, good was for us half in half season last year, but he hit what yeah. twenty home runs for Philly this year. He was incredible. He was here. So, I mean, maybe Hicks just needed to do what a lot of pitchers do, too, right? The first year back from Tommy John, you kind of get in the rust off, and maybe next year he'll be right back where we need him to be. I mean, that's the plan. Because yeah. he's a swish hitter, he's a gold glove caliber center fielder. That's what you need him to be. Hicks is another type of guy that at his peak, he could be a fantastic all-around player, but he needs mm-hmm. to reach that in order to live up to his contract. And, and we talked about, you know, on the last podcast about, you know, the home runner bust thing, right? In, in in a vacuum, if everyone plays to their peak, everyone's hitting home runs, that home run or bust strategy works because you're constantly hitting home runs. Exactly. Um, I just feel like there's so many questions like that up and down the Yankees roster. In the bullpen, yeah. you got good arms that just never perform. Um, you have the home run hitters that just go cold and they're just missing balls. And then you have, like you said, with Hicks, a guy who can he achieve his, his peak. If all those things line up, um, very few teams have the max ceiling that the Yankees have. But we're falling short of that ceiling way too often. Yeah. I also wanted to mention that I, f- I forget where I saw this, but it was about the Rays and how basically, you know, they're the whole, obviously, anytime a team like the Rays makes the World Series, everyone's going to go underdog, scrappy, situational baseball. The Rays on offense, most of their runs come from the long ball in the postseason. Yeah. I forget what percent, but it was like a lot. And it was basically saying how they've been pretty bad in like, you know, situational hitting and runners in scoring position, but. Hey, they've just been hitting dingers, so. Well, how did they beat the, us in game five? Two solo home runs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, Ra- the thing runs. with the Rays is that they do nothing but hit home runs, and a lot of times it's solo home runs or two-run home runs, and they end up scoring four or five runs, but their pitching is just so good, they hold yeah. the other team to two or three runs. Yeah, you, yeah. Can wait, you can wait. You can hold out as long as possible. Thing. Yeah, exactly. The Rays, what the Rays are doing is just, like, teams are just going to emulate this for years yeah. and years to come. It's just, the it's already, obviously, it's already happening. A long time ago. 
the Yankees built it in I forget what year. It may have been one of the years they didn't make the playoffs, like back in the day, because there was some some yeah. rough rosters too. But I, I originally they had um, you could the even Rays say, rekindled this, I should say, because teams yeah. have done this before. But the Rays kind of like brought it back to a point where like, hey, we're in the World Series now, and we just kind of like we do bullpen days. Like we only have really like you know we have like three starters in Snell, Glassnow, and Morton who we trust. But I mean, even Snell, Snell usually goes like four or five innings. He yeah. throws like twenty five pitches in innings. And, and look, yeah, this exactly. is why I say I, I know recent trends for for past World Series champions kind of goes you know flies in the face of what I'm about to say but this is why I'm team bullpenning is more important than like having four or five elite arms in your bullpen is more Mm. important than having an elite starting rotation because I mean if you can get if you can get eight you know seven or eight innings from your starters like in a World Series game look what Strasburg did last year I mean yeah that's that's gonna be the best that's gonna help yeah but but if you're going to get, I mean, we got five and a third innings from Cole in game five. It was his first time in his life pitching on three days rest. And he, yeah. he gave up one hit, but I mean, you still need four innings. He made of one a bullpen mistake. Yeah. Right, right. But you still need to bridge the, the last four innings, right? And we needed to go to our two best relievers for two innings each. It's yeah. tough to, yeah. to, to make that work where the Rays you have, have more so depth in the much, bullpen. The Rays have so much depth in their bullpen. And they and already have just... three or four guys on, on the 60 day IL. Like some of their better yeah. leaders didn't even have even pitched since like July. Yeah. The Rays just, all they do is just run out guys that, you know, have throw 100 miles an hour with unbelievable off speed. And there's like eight of them in their bullpen. And to the point where they can use three or four guys every night and still have all of them be rested, where the Yankees in the ALDS, it really showed how thin their bullpen depth was because. They had Britton, Green, and Chapman as the guys they trusted out of the bullpen. They, like, and after that, you have to go to guys like Luizica and Holder and Adovino. Adovino should have been in that upper tier, and he wasn't. Adovino should have pitched way more, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. But like when you're going to Luizica to get out of pitch of the seventh and eighth inning of a close game, you really have a problem. Because and remember, he, he almost blew that game in the – he did blow the game. We came back and won it. But he did yeah. blow that game in the, in the wild card series against yeah. Cleveland. Yeah. he's like, a, And he's another type of guy that has such so much potential. But he just – I don't even know what the problem is with him. Right. Because there's some games where he's, he's really wild. Yeah, he hasn't taken the next step because some games he's really wild and has no control. Other games he's lights out, and then other games he gets destroyed. Well, There's no consistency with him. Let's 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 keep this in the tank for the uh for, for the next podcast. Yeah, yeah no, no, no. What do you call it? Uh, that's a really good because I was gonna the question I was gonna pose because our next episode episode is gonna be you know free agency episode, and the question I was gonna pose is, in terms of pitching, do the Yankees go more starting pitching or bullpen? And I think it's gonna be bullpen because you got guys like Hendricks, you got guys like uh, Trinan's gonna be a free agent, uh, Colme. There's some good names out there. You know, there's some I, good I think bullpen they need arms. To sign a starter or two. I mean, dude, I we're think, just gonna re-sign Jay Happ and James Paxton. What are you talking about? I think re-sign to, re-sign Tanaka. I think uh, I don't know about that. Um, I don't, I don't that know. Tanaka. Yeah, I don't know. We talked about this on the last episode. I don't. I don't think. I don't want them to resign Tanaka because I just don't we, think we just have we have left. too many we have too many guys we need to make room for next year. Yeah. Like you have Herman coming back. You have Sevi coming back. You have. Um, Montgomery's going to get a full season. Like you're going to have to Debbie. move one of those guys to the bullpen. Debbie, right? Obviously, yeah. are you going to move Severino to, to the to the bullpen? I mean, he would be no. A, it's just the hard, thing, the you, thing you that gets me is there's good. It's you're going to have Cole and then a bunch of question marks in the rotation next year. So well, it's, it'd be nice to have Severino one or two 
you know, known thing because. Well, with, what's known about Tanaka? He's going to be a decent postseason, a, a, a decent regular season pitcher. He's going to give you the innings you need. He's going to give you a lot of good starts. He's going to give up a lot of home runs. And then he's going to be hit or miss in the postseason. He's either yeah. going to be lights out or he's going to get bombed. And I don't know if you want to commit 15 to 20 million. Tanaka's arm rather, is just a ticking what, time bomb to me. That, like, I just don't think that guy is going to be in the bigs for that many more years i mean he just all the money he just throws too slow like yeah. i'm sorry he just like you can't sit low 90s in the mlb with not great command and expect to just stick around it's just it i i get what you guys are saying but it just it's really it's a huge unknown for me because you look at the all the pitchers next year you have herman you have seve you have montgomery you have garcia you have you know clark all these guys Tanaka, what they're going to be giving you? Who know? Who knows what Severino is going to be like when he comes back? Who knows if Montgomery's going to actually come back to be how he was in 2017? Yeah. So I would nice just resign him, him if he was like the last move of yeah. the offseason. Like, don't yeah. let, don't he, prioritize signing Tanaka cheap. over other people. No, just not, go I'm about your saying, business. I'm not right. saying prioritize Tanaka. I'm just saying, and I'm not saying specifically Tanaka. I'm just saying they should sign someone. They should sign at least one starter instead of relying so heavily on these younger, either rookies or like second or third year guys. Oh, I think, I, guys I think there are a couple of good names. Like obviously, know. Bowers is up there, right? Like yeah. we'll get it. We can go through, uh, you know, the, the, the list of, of free agent options, potential trade offerings. If there's any rumblings between now and our next podcast, I think mm-hmm. um, I, I agree. I think there's definitely room to add a strong number two. Yeah. Um, if it's not going to come internally, you can go out and get one. But well, and like Severino has the potential to be a fantastic number two behind goal. Mm-hmm. It's it's just, we just, just yeah, we just, just don't a, know. It's just a question mark because he had Tommy John surgery, and at the end of he was okay last year, but also Severino's not going to even be back until June or July next year. Right. Yeah. He's not even. He's not even going to be in. If the we're lucky, who, you know, if he's on yeah. schedule. Exactly. So. He's not even a guy you can count on at the beginning of the year. And he's one of the guys the Yankees would like to count on because he can be so good as a starter. So what are you going to do? Have your rotation be Garcia, Montgomery, Schmidt, and, I don't know, Mike King and Paul next year? King Paul? Yeah. The young guns taking over. Yeah. A little teaser right there. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. that's gonna be our next episode. We went a little long this episode, but that's all right. You know, that's we start talking fine. about the Yankees, we get mad, we realize how much we hate this team. Misery loves company. I start watching videos of Chris Carter missing that routine <laughs> throw with his glove again. You literally cried laughing. Yeah, I was... watched. You also watched the video of him swinging at a pitch that almost hits yep, him in the his... nose. <laughs> Kimbrel. Yep. Yep. Well. Always be worse. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. For Luigi. For Andrew. For G. For Alex. This was the Bronx Bomber Battle Podcast, and we'll be back sometime later this week talking free agents. What are the Yankees going to do? Are they going to re-sign DJ? Are they going to re-sign Tanaka? Are they just not going to do anything thinking this team is fine? We'll, We'll find out.